Last week, Canada celebrated a national day of lies and separation, and Canadian sheep exchanged face masks for Every Child Matters paraphernalia, because orange just works so much better as the color for autumn themes. Pope Francis continues to frustrate conservative Catholics by revealing his true nature, Pope Wokey, by calling evil good, putting darkness for light, and putting bitter for sweet. Read Isaiah 5.20. It doesn't end well. Wokeism also destroys actual lives by mutilating actual individuals. As new research reveals, a staggering number of girls, not women, have had their breasts removed in Canada to appease the gods of transianity. And finally, it's Mailbag Day, an opportunity for you to ask questions, voice concerns, and share all things tinfoil hattery. This weekend is Thanksgiving, and we have much to be thankful for. Therefore, it is supremely fitting to read and declare Revelation 7:12, Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. It's October 5th. I'm Andrew DiBartolo. That's Matt Halleck. And this is Liberty Dispatch. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Liberty Dispatch, broadcasting across enemy lines into the Canadian culture war. We're so thankful that you've tuned into the program yet again, as always. All our programming is brought to you by the partnership between Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week. LCC exists to declare and establish Christ's justice and righteousness and to defend those who stand therefore. And Christian Week exists to provide a practical and balanced, hope-filled perspective on national and global issues. If you do want to support our content, which we need now more than ever, given what we just covered on our last program with the CRTs trying to capture all podcasts, all online content in the net of their regulatory powers and their discretion, we do need your help to continue to fund independent media so we can figure out different alternative ways to get our content to you. So we really, really, really would appreciate you if you appreciate our content going over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash donate, scan that helpful QR code. If you go over there, click the analysis and shows box and you can leave a donation over there and you can also do it not just uh, you know by sending in cash not just uh, through credit card but you can also leave an anonymous uh, bitcoin donation thanks to our friends at bull bitcoin so we would suggest that you do that and we would that you prayerfully consider leaving that donation also all our content can be found at the flf network the fight laugh feast network dot com flfnetwork.com go check it out they have a wonderful new app the pub tv app it looks slick our content's there as well as a myriad of wonderful other podcasts also all things liberty coalition canada of course can be found at our website libertycoalitioncanada.com we would suggest you check that out and of course if you want to reach out to us directly please drop us a line at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com 
com. We would love to hear from you. And we're doing a mailbag segment at the end of this pro- program as well. So, uh, so many more of you have been doing that. And if you want to hear your comments, questions, concern, read on air, air dealt with, please do uh, drop us a line at mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Andrew, uh, Thanksgiving-themed mailbag? What, what do you have for us today? Well, other than the standard questions and comments that people would want to send in, I'm curious to know what are particular kind of family-specific, unique Thanksgiving traditions you have? Is it a particular meal? Is it something that you do as a family, some sort of event you partake in? Let mm-hmm. us know. Mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We'd love to hear about your unique Thanksgiving celebrations. Send us your delicious re- recipes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever or send us, send us the wares. Yeah, right? yeah, send yeah us, exactly. Send us the delicious recipes and samples. We love samples. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, would <laughs> love to hear how your family celebrates Thanksgiving uniquely. A couple events we want to continue to bring to everyone's mind because we're only several weeks away from them. First of all, there will be some live episodes of our podcasts on October 23rd and 24th. October 23rd at Trinity Bible Chapel in Waterloo and the 24th at Trinity Baptist Church in Burlington. There's going to be Mike, Tim, Matt, and maybe me. Again, we'll see if I have a double portion of Thanksgiving (laughs) blessing that will arrive at or around that time. But you can be there. It's $25 per person. Check the Eventbrite link in the description of the episode. If you're in and around the area or if you're not that far away or if you are far away and you just want to come and see a live episode, head over to the Eventbrite link and get some tickets today. Hopefully some other special guests as well will be dropping in during these live recordings. Second, the Spark Leadership Conference from October 31st to November 1st in beautiful South Carolina. Speakers will include our own Mike Thiessen, Dr. Joe Boot, Pastors Tim Stevens and Nate Wright, and our Chief Litigator James Kitchen. Tickets are $50. They're available at sparkconferences.org. If you subscribe to our email, you would have seen an email go out with a little bit of a promo video and some more information about the conferences. Check it out. And if you don't subscribe to our email, um, what's wrong with you people? What's, what are you uh, waiting for? What, what, yeah, I, head I, over and, to the website. Subscribe now. Give us your get. We don't spam you. We send you lots of good stuff. And just just so everybody's aware, that sort of thing is super important given the context that we are now in as it pertains to reaching audiences. Right, the the Trudeau regime has effectively captured the press the mainstream media, and now online platforms in its net. So if we're going to reach out to you, if we're going to communicate with you, if you're going to stay up to date with what we are doing, we can't necessarily rely on some of these other channels of communication. That and I'm not, I'm not giving you my on. phone number. Yeah, I'm yes. not giving you my phone number either. So, <laughs> <laughs> so no, that's don't, a privilege. Don't personal that's phone a privilege. Calls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, but, but it is... You know, I know it's something we say quite a bit on the program and we and we highlight on the program. But if people are concerned about the ramifications of things like Bill C-11, these are some ways that you protect against it. If you're worried about a complete tyrannical control of by our government of media, well, then we have to think of alternative 
ways of getting the truth out to people. And that's why, you know, though it might seem self-seeking and self-serving for us to say, well, help us donate. That's the reality of what we're dealing with. And I, I need to press that home because Bill C-11 and the ramifications thereof is seriously dangerous to the health of the body politic in Canada. And, and I, I want to, I just want to articulate that for everyone. Mm. So, well, another thing that we've been talking about for a while, we've been telling you about for a while now is our friends over at Rocklink investment partners. We've been talking to them for over a year now, but maybe you're unaware of the fact that over 200 families have transferred their assets away from woke financial institutions to Rocklink Investment Partners, and we are thrilled about that. That means freedom-loving Canadians across Canada have transferred millions of dollars away from the status quo and aligned their hard-earned money with a company that truly shares their values. So join the movement today. Email rocklink at info at rocklink.com or visit them at www.rocklink.com. That's link with a C. As I mentioned at the top of the show, September 30th was Canada's National Day of Truth and Reconciliation, or as it should more accurately be called, and if I could have a shameless self-plug for my Substack, I titled it A National Day of Lies and Separation, the exact opposite of truth <laughs> yes. and reconciliation. Exactly. And this is what exactly. September 30th is really about. It's a day when Canadians are encouraged to hate their country and feel the endless guilt and shame of sins that none of us actually committed ourselves. Mm -hmm. What it is, is it's kind of our version of a national sin, like slavery in the United States. And the similarity is that people alive today who never sinned against a particular person or group of people are told that they must apologize to people against whom they never sinned and against whom they themselves were never the actual victim of the sins that have been purported to have been committed. So what it is, really, September 30th is a grand display of intersectionality and cultural Marxism in Canada. And it, it happens to be draped in many shades of orange. So this is right from our federal government's own website. This day, it's September 30th, honors the children who never returned home and survivors of residential schools, as well as their families and communities. Public commemoration of the tragic and painful history and ongoing impacts of residential schools is a vital component of the reconciliation process, even though I'll note the desired outcome is anything but reconciliation, but perpetual guilt and perpetual penance and never actually being forgiven that's the real play here. it's vital to the grift they forgot to right. mention that part it's yeah it's vital it's a, a vital uh a par part of this marxist operation mm -hmm. and the grift that goes along with it not a vital part of actually never, reaching the, the truth book he never wants you to actually pay your debt Yes. Because then he's 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 out of making money off the interest. Mm -hmm. So you need to be in debt in order for the people to continue to benefit and gain off which of is, your debt. And that's what this is. Which is again a horrible anti gospel, right? That a horrible, disgusting anti gospel that all mm -hmm. Christians should reject. Yeah. So still from the website, Orange Shirt Day 
is an indigenous-led grassroots commemorative day intended to raise awareness of the individual, family, and community intergenerational impacts of residential schools and to promote the concept of every child matters, side note, except for the preborn children, because they don't matter to the federal government at all, but they're hypocrites and they engage in doublespeak, so what would you expect? Website continues. The orange shirt is a symbol of the stripping away of culture, freedom, and self-esteem experienced by indigenous children over generations. Not to be confused with the stripping away of culture, freedom, and self-esteem by throwing endless amounts of money at something to not fix the problem, but continue to have people on our own Canadian version of a plantation. So not the real stripping of self-esteem and freedom, but this artificially kind of manufactured sense of it. So here, here's, here's a question that you might be thinking, and Matt, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pose this to you. What's wrong with all of that? I mean, why can't... Why can't we just wear orange and declare every child matters? Like, why, why, why should we be such sticks in the mud about all of this? Well, because, like you've pointed out, there's pure hypocrisy in that title, right? Um, this is Canada's version of the BLM movement, right? That's what it's trying to... To, they're trying to use that cultural moment and that cultural cachet to to put forward and grift essentially what they're trying to do here. Um, why we can't just say every child matters and wear an orange shirt and clap along like seals is because currently in our nation we we lead a hundred thousand pre-born babies to the slaughter with taxpayer money making every canadian citizen regardless of how they feel about abortion complicit in that act so how can we dare say that every child matters in our country when we're every year leading hundreds of thousands of kids to slaughter that dwarfs any of the casualties that might have been lost in the residential schools um furthermore andrew if we're speaking of a day of truth and reconciliation then we not we must zealously uphold the truth and work to reconciliation but your name for the day is absolutely fitting lies and separation because so much of what is being spouted is just that it's lies it's it's not it's untruths about what actually took place and it doesn't seem like anybody's really all that zealous to seek out the truth but we're putting forward a narrative in place of that and then we're calling that a truth um there's some serious issues as it pertains to the history of residential schools as a per like hey we're we're a podcast that i think every podcast we talk about the, the horrible failures of state-funded schooling that it's totally unbiblical we should totally get away from it that's the drum that we're banging all the time so when it comes to recognizing the harm that state-funded schools and state-sponsored schools can do to individuals well we're well aware of it <laughs> so we're being very consistent in that um also the idea that 
somehow these children, and this is actually the law in Canada, are wards of the state who are to be educated by the state. That's the underlying principle that led to the implementation of residential schools. So that's, but I don't see anybody ever, Andrew, saying, well, that's the problem right there. It's that basic presupposition that separates children from parents that puts the state and its apparatus in between there that is the problem. And then we look at our current day. Did we not just do a million march for children where Mm -hmm. the state is trying to once again wedge itself in between the relationship of children and their parents in education? So this is where consistency matters because the same people, the same people who've been saying the state doesn't have the authority to run health care, to say how the church should operate, to tell us what to put on our face. We say in all of these areas, when the state does what it's not supposed to do and gets its hands on things that don't belong to it, it destroys all of them. And we would put ultimately the residential school initiative in that bucket in saying, here's the state state trying to take control of something that it's not within its purview. And whenever the state steps outside of its God-ordained roles, the consequence will always be destruction and devastation. So we can we can consistently say whether it's masks or jab mandates or dictating the terms of worship or healthcare or media or education, whenever the state tries to absorb a sphere that it that it doesn't belong to the state, the consequence is destruction. So we can say that consistently, but the mm-hmm. grand irony is that the same people who bemoan residential schools, which again is another prime example of a state functioning in a totalitarian manner, mm-hmm. are the same people that were pro lockdowns and pro mandates and pro shutting down churches. Absolutely. So when you have when when you reject a biblical world and life view, all you're left with is an inconsistent view of reality, mm-hmm. and they don't understand that they're speaking out of both sides of their mouth. Whereas yeah. we're saying. No, it's always bad whenever they take on more than they should. Always. Yeah, yeah. And and we have to understand it it amounts to like using it to, to make an analog an analog. It amounts to when when a sphere that God has created usurps its the bounds of its authority. It amounts to using the wrong tool for the job, right? The tool that God has given the state is the sword. The sword has no place in education. The, the rod, the staff of leading and correcting, that's the tool that is essentially through the family given to lead and educate children. But why should we be surprised if we find out that we're using the sword to educate, that it's destroying families, that it's hurting individuals, and that it's damaging children? We should be surprised about that. Now, a lot of what the rhetoric that goes around that is just untrue. It's just factually not true. And that's what we want to turn to next, Andrew, because the the part that's really stuck out to me, and it's a lot, again, it's anal- anal- analogous to um, Black Lives Matter. 
Black Lives Matter is basically done. Like the organization was so corrupt, so poorly ran. It was such an open grift that it's basically dissolved now. The leaders have like gone away. They're trying to hide out because even in hyper woke California, in their, in their, in their six million dollar mansions. Well, yeah, exactly. Because it turned out they just took the money, didn't help any black people, and just bought mansions. Um, that's literally what happened or, or funded their best friends, weird causes that allowed them to buy mansions. It, it was such a hard grift that they're basically done, right? They, they're, but the record wasn't corrected, right? Apart from, you know, somebody like Candace Owens or Daily Wire or conservative news media is covering it. Probably people don't know that even in hyperwoke California, they were under all sorts of ethical uh, violations that they were being investigated for for essentially fraud and misallocating the resources that they had a fiduciary responsibility to use just properly. They just need to come to Canada because then they can still commit all those ethics violations and they can be made the new speaker of the house. Well, <laughs> yeah. Amen. And they, 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 yeah. That's, Amen. They're but, in the wrong country. That's the no, problem. Exactly. But my point is the record has not been corrected. For the average citizen yeah. who's not paying attention to that, they think Black Lives Matter is still a positive good for society when it was an open racist grift. And the same mm -hmm. thing can be said about Truth and Reconciliation Day. I have seen very little reporting on the truth of what is coming out of some excavations mm -hmm. that have taken place concerning these supposed mass graves in our country and this is not a headline this is not main you would you would imagine that on this day if we were really pursuing zealously the truth that we would be like oh okay this it's it's good to talk about this okay there's bad things but obviously this narrative needs to be corrected but we're not seeing this but we want to play you a very important video because it's just going to highlight the fact that exactly what you're saying andrew that this is actually a national day of lies and separation is proved by the actual facts of the matter so watch this i think it's very helpful there are new developments regarding a 2021 story out of Canada. At the time, reports said there were mass graves of Indigenous children found at residential schools in the North American country. Some of those schools were run by the Catholic Church. According to a new report, the recent excavation of 14 alleged burial sites unearthed no human remains. We go now to Colin Flynn, EWTN News Vatican correspondent. Colm, great to be with you. Um, first off, can you tell us more about these new developments in the story that we just mentioned? A very good evening, Tracy. Yes, indeed, I can. Well, two years ago, after stories dominated the headlines around the world about alleged mass graves of indigenous children at former residential schools right across Canada, it is now believed that the stories of these mass graves could be false after excavations have turned up no human remains. A series of recent excavations at suspected sites has turned up no human remains. Now, this has led many academics and politicians to say it's further evidence that the stories are unproven. A group of indigenous people, also known as Pine Creek First Nation, they excavated 14 sites in the basement of Our Lady of the Seven Sorrows Catholic Church that's near the Pine Creek Residential School during a four-week period this summer. And the, eventually, the chief of the group, Derek Piniak, he went on record, held a press conference and said that no remains were found. 
so you imagine on Truth and Second Re- Reconciliation Day that that would be a big headline, but it's not. But the, but the fact of the matter is, no remains have been found. That this mm-hmm. this method that they're using, that they're crafting this narrative of this ground penetrating radar, the ground penetrating radar is notorious. Like it's just totally incapable of mm-hmm. telling you any detailed information. But the first reports that were coming out of Kamloops, Andrew. B- b- outlets media outlets were saying there's bones of six-year-old children found like no 135 bodies in unmarked mass graves using using all all sorts of salacious language like that but the, the fact of the matter is we don't actually have evidence to that that is actually the case now there are all these all these other questions is number one do we know their children no. <laughs> right? So we don't we don't we no. don't know so we don't know if if let's assume there are our bodies. Number one, are mm-hmm. they all children? Number two, are they all indigenous children? Number mm-hmm. three, what was the cause of death? And then number four, how do we is it what about the reality that graves would have been marked, but then after many, many years the marking has faded away? So these are all questions that should be asked when we're mm-hmm. talking about this mass mass grave thing is mm-hmm. are there bodies are they children are they are they all indigenous what was the cause of death and is it really fair to say it's not like they had headstones like we have right where yeah. they craft a headstone so all these questions would get to the truth but the problem Matt, is if we did get to the truth then we'd actually have reconciliation and they don't mm-hmm. want reconciliation so you need lies to maintain the separation no and that is absolutely the case because you know good on pine creek for actually doing the excavation right what we've actually seen from most of these supposed sites is a is a denial is is a is a refusal to actually do that very thing because of what potentially could come out along the lines of Pine Creek. But Andrew, so in Manitoba, we just had the election take place, our provincial election, the communist creep, uh, you know, domestic abuser, uh, Wab Canoe, he, he, he won, the NDPs won. So now we're just in line for a lot of years of profligate mm-hmm. spending and terrible governance, then the conservatives will end up it's winning. A, it's, it's, it's all it's nonsense. Amazing. It's amazing that the province that, has the three has the has the three ridings that had the highest percentage of PPC votes in the country would now would now go well for the NDP. Well, so rural Manitoba just, rural wild. Manitoba goes conservative in a big way. Like we're talking seventy percent of the vote. Um, even surprisingly, get get two thirds of the vote in like northern Manitoba, which I thought would just be way more NDP. But it's all the city center that has the mass. Uh, population in winnipeg but but my point being this is in manitoba one of wob's promises that really fired up the electorate is for the murdered and missing indigenous women we're now going to spend something like 180 million dollars to excavate um dumps like garbage sites to try and find supposed remains based off of no real evidence, but the mm-hmm. gut feeling of yeah. individuals. Na- the, the, na- the, the the I don't know what the technical term is, but it's this sense of 
I, I called it. It's just this kind of native sense. Like I just, I feel yes. that their, 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 their spirits are calling out to me from under the grave. And, and Andrew, it's, it's at that point. So you, yeah, go. Well, well, so I, I just, so that, so that is actually being touted. That kind of sixth sense, um, if you will, is being touted and heralded in even universities as an alternative way of knowing, right? The, that, Part of the whole uh, anti-colonial theme that this is wrapped in is that, you know, the way that we pursue education, that we want to actually have evidentiary, you know, uh, factual evidence uh, when dealing with these matters, that is a part of... that's white Eurocentric colonialism. Exactly, but there's alternative modes of knowing, and this is this is uh, Marx put forward polylogism, which is multiple logics. Right? He he talked yeah. about a bourgeois Gnosticism. It's Gnosticism yeah. alive and well. Yes, absolutely. So I mean, it's par for the course. But all of this again is spending tons and tons of taxpayer money. Uh, it's forwarding a narrative and it's forwarding lies that divide us. And finally, we just want yeah. to end with this. This is from Fox News, one of the few outlets that are actually covering this. Four weeks of excavation work at a residential school in Canada reportedly failed to turn up evidence of mass unmarked burial sites, raising questions over the claims of widespread indigenous graves across the country. The work comes after ground penetrating radar, very unreliable, used at the sites, detected what were described as anomalies that's all they get at 14 locations in the basement of a church part of a series of discoveries over the last two years in canada that were reported to be mass graves of children who had attended the country's residential schools but not backed up with evidence but and the reason why we labor this point friends is because here you have here you have a narrative you have a distinctly anti-canadian pro-intersectional pro-cultural marxist narrative you also have a clear this is a proxy as a way to attack the Christian church. And then you have this weird Gnostic sense of the spirits are calling out to me from the ground. And all of these things are being thrust upon us. And so the reason why we have to labor this and actually deal with truth is because of this. This is Colossians 2:8. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. And so we labor the point, we drill down, we dive deep, is because we're trying to not only encourage and exhort you, but also maybe model and teach and say, this is what Christians need to do. We cannot simply ingest the narrative Mm -hmm. and take it at face value. We must be questioning, we must be skeptical in a good way, and we must not be caught up in and this this is definitionally a philosophy that's full of empty deceit according to human tradition according to elemental spirits and 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 the demonic realm that's exactly what all of this stuff is and so follower of christ don't just get swept up in this Mm -hmm. and just don't don't go along for the ride because they tug at your heartstrings yeah and because they they spin a story about grave injustices that have been done en masse for generations. I'm not saying that there there are no issues in the history of residential schools or the dealings (laughs) with indigenous people. I would never be that guy. But what I am saying is you cannot then take that to craft a story 
with with many lies in order to further a narrative believers have to be discerning we have to be excellent we have to be wise mm-hmm. that's what we're calling you to do is to exercise those those muscles of discernment and not just being taken captive by these ideologies because they're destructive Absolutely. and they're anti-canadian and they're anti-christ and, and, and they are destructive because right we we saw church burnings in response 50. 50, 50 church churches that, that that our government responded to well it's understandable <laughs> mm-hmm. but but they were 50 church burnings not based off of actual evidence but based off of a narrative that was surrounding this 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 movement yeah and and it's and exactly the same despicable. as black lives matter the, the millions totally. and billions of dollars of damage done over a bunch of lies yep. over a bunch of lies and Absolutely. we don't have we don't have time for that we might i mean Maybe we talk about the the madness. Maybe we should get Sam Say on to talk about the the the, the rise and fall of Black Lives Matter. Ooh, that's a good idea for a podcast. Yeah. yeah Anyways, we'll think about that. <laughs> Sam, if you're watching, probably not. But if someone, anyway, I'll reach. I'm gonna. I'll I'll call Sam myself. Anywho, let's move on. Now is not the time to sit idly by and hope that our power-driven systems resolve themselves. Not after three years of heartache, loss, and despair. Our families deserve better. Our communities deserve better. Our country deserves better. We don't expect the government to fix our financial future. We create our own economy. Barter It is a community of people who are passionate about shopping local, freedom of choice, and free speech while creating new pathways for a true parallel economy. Head over to libertycoalitioncanada.com slash barter today and click on Barter It for Individuals. Make sure you sign up as a VIP before the official launch and get a lifetime subscription, pre f- free premium listings, and 1,000 bits to spend in the system. That is $1,500 worth of value for $197. LibertyCoalitionCanada.com slash barter. So the consequences of wokeism, or we all know that wokeism is a toxic acid, burns everything it comes in contact with. It's a deadly cancer that infects everything around it. This is true of both institutions and individuals, as we're going to see. This is clearly the case regarding Pope Francis, who is woke and was discipled, as Matt likes to point out regularly, by an actual Marxist. That matters. This comes to us from LifeSite News. Pope Francis has effectively told clergy that they can decide for themselves whether to, quote, bless, unquote, homosexual unions. Responding to a dubia question submitted by five cardinals as to whether or not the church can ever accept as a, quote, possible good, close quote, objectively sinful situations, such as same-sex unions, Pope Francis stated that, quote, pastoral prudence must adequately discern whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or more persons that do not transmit a mistaken conception of marriage, close quote. The article continues, Francis stated that, quote, the church has a very clear conception of marriage, an exclusive, stable, and indissoluble union between a man and a woman, naturally open to the begetting of children, close quote. However, he continued by expressing an openness to other forms of unions, including same-sex couples, being granted a quote-unquote blessing. 
Nevertheless, in our dealings with people, we must not lose the pastoral charity that must permeate all our decisions and attitudes. The defense of objective truth is not the only expression of this charity, which is also made up of kindness, patience, understanding, tenderness, and encouragement. Therefore, we cannot become judges who only deny, reject, and exclude, the Pope said. Pope Francis further stated, quote, For this reason, pastoral prudence must adequately discern whether there are forms of blessing requested by one or more persons and that do not trans sorry, that do not transmit a mistaken conception of marriage because when a blessing is requested it is expressing a request for help from god a plea to be able to live better a trust in a father who can help us live better on the other hand although there are situations that form an objective point of view an objective point of view are not morally acceptable pastoral charity first demands that we do not simply treat others as sinners whose guilt or responsibility may be due to their own fault. So in summary, Pope Francis is saying, (laughs) listen, we know that marriage is one man and one woman exclusively for life. However, because we don't want to judge people as sinners and because we want to exercise pastoral prudence, if a sodomite couple asks for a blessing of their union, it's up to the individual priest as to whether or not they want to bless that union. That's basically what he just well, said, which for, for anyone who's not paying attention is a master class in doublespeak, right? Marriage is this, but we can still bless it because pastoral prudence and we don't want to judge but- people. No, no, I think it's way worse than that. Like, listen to the last sentence. On the other hand, although there are situations that from an objective point of view are not morally acceptable, pastoral charity itself demands that we do not simply treat others as sinners Mm -hmm. who... Uh, whose guilt or responsibility may be due to their own fault. So he's, he's actively counseling for pastoral sensibility for pastors to diminish the truth, to bury the truth mm-hmm. in order to deal winsomely with the sensibilities of the individuals that they're talking to. This is the exact opposite tact that Christians should take, right? We should not murder uh, uh truth on the street for the sake of peace that's been the traditional uh, christian uh, point of view down through history pope francis is insane this is this is crazy um but well, what, what else I- would you expect from a man who said that getting the jab is loving your neighbor yes and people, <laughs> a lot of people don't realize this but the Vatican Commission commemorative silver coins that had pictures of people rolling up their sleeves. Yeah. This is not a, this is like this is not a Babylon B article. The no. Vatican really did commission these special silver coins having with pictures of people rolling their or with an image of someone rolling their sleeve up. What else would you expect from that from an institution that is at this point has at at the tippy top of uh, of the seat of the Bishop of Rome? Yeah. Uh, someone who's woke, who's all the way woke. Yeah. And what should we expect from the disciple of Dom Helder Camara, a literal Marxist liberation theologian out of mm-hmm. Brazil? Where's where's Pope Fra- Frankie from? He's from Argentina. So the South American liberation theologian, 
was his mentor, also the mentor of one Klaus Schwab, just so everybody knows. Um, Helder Kamara was was also a mentor of uh, Paolo Fieri. So all these Marxist um, thinkers, they're you know closely associated with the same school uh, that Pope Francis is a part of. Pope Francis was a part of the Pact of the Catacombs, which was basically a socialist uh, document uh, masquerading as Catholicism. You know, this is a pattern so we're what, seeing. So, so what you're saying, Matt, is he's not he's not really a good dude. That's what no, you're saying, he's, right? He's a real <laughs> bad guy. Yeah, he's a real yeah, bad he's guy. He's a real he's a he's a real it's it's troubling. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's not good. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, a lot more can be said from our perspective as uh, obviously <laughs> Protestant reformers. But the, the, but kudos the, to LifeSite News. Kudos to LifeSite News and Campaign Life Coalition because I know that there are there are conservative or or same thing with PAFE. Here you have conservative Catholic organizations who are not afraid to call out Pope Wokey for his mm -hmm. nonsense. Yeah. So good for them. No, good for that, them, and good for conservative Catholics for being for having the integrity to do that. That's mm -hmm. I can only imagine how difficult it would be. Right, it would be the equivalent of 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 you know of uh, of evangelical you know reformedish leaning Americans having to uh, having to call out John MacArthur on some of his guff. It's obviously not the same thing, no. but no. in a similar sense, it's kind of here's someone who's a figure. Yeah. That for many is an example, and 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 not more than an example, but kind of a here is a pillar mm -hmm. of Christian belief and faithfulness and godliness. And so whenever you have to say, well, actually, he might be exhibiting a form of ungodliness and disobedience, that would be difficult. So good, I know, good on I, them. I yeah, applaud them for that. I appreciate that because I know so many conservative Catholics who are more Catholic than the Pope, no doubt about it, who are standing firm on these things and calling there it out. There might be some it, atheists who are more Catholic than well, the Pope at this that's, point, that, That's true. And it could potentially lead to a schism, which creates old problems with a lot of uh, Roman Catholic apologetics against Protestants. But that's okay. Let's move forward. We do appreciate those truly conservative Catholics. So, Andrew, we know that the cultural behemoth of wokeism is not content, obviously, for, to merely corrupt institutions. No, it must destroy lives as well. That's really what it's after. It's a death cult. It wants to destroy and dismantle all that is good, true, and beautiful. Um, so this harrowing story comes to us from True North News. Quote, a shocking new report reveals that hundreds of underage Canadian girls have had their breasts surgically removed as a part of so-called gender-affirming care to accommodate their preferred gender Id identities. The numbers were crunched by the Canadian Institute for health information and first reported by the national post maybe one of the outlets in canada that can be trusted as of 2018 healthcare statistics show that 602 patients under the age of 18 were recorded as receiving a double mastectomy that is so crazy that 
hurts my heart. Nearly half, 303, were kids under the age of 17, with the lowest recorded age being 14 years old. So that wouldn't even qualify for a so-called mature minor. You have to be at least 16 or 17. That is crazy. The actual number of minors who have undergone life-changing surgeries to accommodate their gender identities is likely larger as private clinics that cater to transgender clients were not included. So this is a minimum amount of people who have undergone these surgeries in Canada. Additionally, Quebec hospital data was unavailable. Thank you, Quebec. A doctor familiar uh, who chose to remain anonymous to perfect their professional reputation told the National Post that it's concerning that the full data is unavailable. Quote, the fact that you can't get the numbers from private clinics, it's very cloak and dagger. Yeah, of course, said the physician. They're still billing OHIP, OHIP, that that's tax dollars. That should be publicly accessible information. We need to see these numbers and ask questions. There needs to be that accountability. The involvement of public funds and medical practice should concern the general public the doctor added if this was just about the schools and just about kids being allowed to wear what they wanted and say what they want and be called whatever name they want and it stopped there who would care but medicine got involved the doctor told the national uh, post so the original story from the national post also highlights the following andrew just shocking Hospitals and day surgery visits for bilateral mastectomies for gender reassignment surgeries surgeries have risen sharply from 536 in 2018 to 2019 to 985 in fiscal 2022 and 2023, according to the data compiled for National Post by the CIHI. Andrew, that's almost a doubling of life-altering, irreversible damage because of this insane Mm -hmm. ideology. And I want to highlight for anyone who didn't catch that that quote from the doctor, the anonymous physician, Mm -hmm. who's saying, hey, this is a problem. I don't like what's going on here. This This is a picture of the inconsistency and the foolish, darkened thinking that you're left with when you abandon a biblical foundation. Because in the quote that you just read, Matt, this is what this anonymous physician said. If this was just about the schools and just Mm -hmm. about kids being allowed to wear what they want and say what they want and be called whatever name they want and it stopped there, who would care? We would care (laughs) because you cannot (laughs) establish a new religion without also having the sacrifices and the penance and the and the and and the, the sacraments involved in the religion you can't have it both ways you can't establish a new religion you cannot have the gods of transianity without those gods having to be appeased and in this religious system the sacrifice that is offered upon the altar of the gods of transianity are the breasts of at least 602 girls in Canada. So when you say, who cares? We say that kind of thinking is why we're in the mess that we're in. Because we should care because it's false. 
it's it also just fundamentally doesn't understand how people act people act according to their you know most prominent desires in any given moment the affections of the heart are what drive people to act a certain way so having a core religious beliefs and doctrines are the reason that people live out certain practices like you're talking about andrew so it it it, it it's just a fundamental misunderstanding of how people and why people act. They act out of ideology. That's why the ideology is the problem that we have to root out and destroy. What happens and- in the bedroom is a problem. And that and this this is this is now I'm not saying we need to go nineteen eighty four and have cameras installed no, in everyone's bedroom. Yeah. But if someone says to me, Who cares what two consenting sodomites want to do in the privacy of their of their of their home you should care because it inevitably will pour out into the broader culture mm-hmm. case in point what we have this by the way is my one of my criticisms of feminism in tota right mm-hmm. i i don't i don't separate first second and third wave feminism mm-hmm. i don't say that first wave feminism was good because they wanted the right to vote and then second wave feminism was not so good. And then third wave feminism was really bad. That respectfully is an ignorant and uninformed way of distinguishing between the different waves of feminism. The reality is that fem- the feminist movement at its core, all the way back, you can look at primary source material from the suffragettes from mm-hmm. its core. It was always designed to, to to reject God's design for male and female, to elevate women as supreme at the expense and the lowering of men and masculine, and to disrupt God's good design mm-hmm. for marriage and family and culture from the very beginning. And if and we and I can, you can trace the threads that the first wave of feminism in the late eighteen hundreds were the seeds planted in the ground that have led to the rotten fruit, which is the cutting off of girls' breasts and boys' genitals. And well-meaning, well-intended feminists who say, well, that's not what I signed up for when I joined the movement in the 70s. That wasn't what it was about. And you, people might be listening to this saying, Andrew, you can't say that. You can't. Mm -hmm. I would say to you respectfully, that is foolish thinking because you can't, you can't plant a seed that looks benign and then be shocked when the seed produces the fruit yes. that it was always intended to produce. And, and, and it's going to happen. That's that's the really important part that you're getting at because you can distinguish between these different ways or waves historically, but what you're rejecting is this idea that they somehow were rooted and grounded in different core values and mm-hmm. beliefs. No, the seed was planted and the seed came to full bloom. I'm going to include in the description for people who like, again, we're big. If you ever look at our show notes, we provide a lot of citations, a lot of footnotes, a lot of extra reading. If you want to do it um, for our listeners, so you don't have to take our word for it. You can look into this stuff yourself. I'm going to include love thy body by Nancy Piercy as a book that gives just a beautiful biblical exposition on how to really deal with hard questions about life and sexuality and it talks a lot about the transgendered ideology and kind of its origins. Mm-hmm. 
It's a great book. I wish I wrote it myself. Nancy, if you're listening, you're not listening, but thumbs up to Nancy. <laughs> Anyways, um, and then I'm, I'm going to include Even Exile because I think Even Exile by Rebecca Merkel gets at what you're talking about, Andrew. That feminism, we, we decry, especially leftists, they decry reactionary movements. That's an evil thing. Well, guys, feminism, which you love, was a reactionary movement. Yep. Well, then I'll, I'll say this. I'll just I'll just I'll just drop this tasty morsel. And if anyone wants more, let me know, because I've several years ago, I, I taught a series of of classes at our church specifically on cultural issues. And mm. I did a huge deep dive into the history of feminism. And anyone who knows me knows that I when I research I research, I consume a lot of information and I read and I, I get the receipts. And so I did a I did an extensive deep dive into the history of feminism. And I'm going to simply quote Mitch Horowitz, who's an American historian. And he has said in his book, looking at the, the history of the United States, specifically around the settling of the colonies in New England, he has this quote. It's just a throwaway quote in one of his books. And this is what led me to deep dive. He said, you will not be able to find for a generation any suffragette who did not spend at least some time around the seance table. And what he's getting at is the historical fact that almost every suffragette, every big female mover in, in the first wave of feminism, they were all connected to, engaged with and practicing in some way the occult it doesn't matter if they had roots in presbyterianism it doesn't matter if they had roots in methodism it doesn't matter if their dads were pastors essentially all of these women were engaged in some form of occult new age spiritualism which if you want to know about it is about the exaltation of women and the female deities and false goddesses the rejection of god's design for marriage and also the debasement of men and the masculine. And so you, I'm just, I'll throw that out there and you might go, whoa, that's revolutionary. <laughs> it is revolutionary when you understand that the architects of the feminist movement and the suffragettes behind it were essentially people dabbling in the occult, specifically a branch of new age spiritualism that exalts women and debases men and disrupts God's design for marriage. And all of their influences were also Marxists from mm -hmm. France and Germany. Yeah. So yeah. just let me say that and say there's mm -hmm. no way you have that as the origin and then expect that well, the fruit generations later is going to be good. Of course not. Yeah. Why should we be surprised that millions and millions and millions and millions of freeborn children have been offered on the altar of Molech, given the fact that the roots are in... Mm -hmm. occult worship it's craziness but it's also happens to be yep. the truth okay let's move on let's move let's on let's do it our federal government's response to economic difficulties is to print money until it's worthless driving up the cost of everything in case you haven't noticed essentially stealing from your hard-earned pay they also want to monitor your spending by way of a centralized digital currency and control us by way of digital id what you need is to take control of your own resources and be responsible for your own money, which is your responsibility. Our friends at Bull Bitcoin want to help you do just that. Bull Bitcoin is a 100% self-funded, freedom-minded Canadian Bitcoin exchange 
that wants to help you protect your financial freedom and help you protect your resources as well. If you're at all aware of what's going on in our country, you should seriously consider connecting with our friends over at Bull Bitcoin. Sign up at mission.bullbitcoin.com and have all of your questions answered. Again, that's mission.bullbitcoin.com slash LCC. Mailbag, Matt. It's mailbag. mailbag, buddy. Hey, it's always fun to to listen to the comments, questions, concerns sent in, in by our faithful listeners and viewers, and we really, really do appreciate it. We've got some good questions here. Again, I'll just throw them your way. You can bat them around, and then I might add some comment. But let's start with Brom. Brom writes this: Many cities across our country have an ever ever growing and concerning homeless population most are addicted to wide a uh, wide array of harmful substances many com com uh, commit repeated crimes to continue in their demise what is the christian response to this problem at the state church and family levels jesus said that the poor will always be among you but this level of destruction is heartbreaking Brom, that is a wonderful question. Thank you. I, I can tell your heart for those people who are, you know, experiencing that difficult lifestyle. So I, uh, I think that's a great question, Andrew. Uh, what do you have by way of response? Yeah. So at the state level, the answer is they should be doing absolutely nothing because they created this mess. So that's that's high level. Mm -hmm. The issue the issue is by by artificially driving up inflation through printing of money and by 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 the insane taxes and the theft that they engage in in their socialistic spending in the creation of safe injection sites this the the, the pro a lot of the problem that we see that the the sprouting up of 10 cities in the last number of years is because our our our, our elected officials shut down economies force people to lose their jobs stole money from them by printing money and then giving out handouts and driving up inflation. Oh, and then they've also in certain provinces made certain illicit drugs illegal mm -hmm. under certain amounts have created safe injections. So they created this problem. Mm -hmm. So what they need well, to do is and, they need Andrew, to get away, get their hands off. Yes. The, what the state can do is, yes, get hands off, allow for private, like get, get your claws out of it allow for private citizens to mm -hmm. give private charity or create associations that can deal with these problems at the local mm -hmm. level wherever they 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 are seen so the charity is divorced from a gigantic bureaucracy which actually misallocates those charitable funds f away from the actual cause that they're going to and that they they have to and waste so many of those funds in bureaucracy yes. how much and of they, those funds don't actually go where they need to and the state actually so the state has to respect intermediary institutions like the family and the church and empower these the the free association of individual citizens to provide and care for for the needs of their brothers and sisters, their neighbor in the community, which is the exact opposite tack that they're taking. So the state mm. fundamentally needs to change their view of these situations mm. in order to deal with them well. They can't. They also have to understand that they're not the ones who are going to fix this. This is a culture issue that needs to be mm -hmm. dealt with. It, Pre, in pre-civic institutions. So that would be a radical shift in the mentality of, of our state officials that they're not the solution to all these problems. In fact, 
as Andrew said, they're probably the problem. That would and be a big one. we shouldn't expect them to. I think that's another world you change. We shouldn't expect them to. Our, in our thinking, we're like, well, they mm. have the resources. And the No, no, no. We shouldn't expect them to. So at the church and family level, mm-hmm. what does involvement look like? I mean, there are a number of different things. First thing would be there are several organizations and parachurch ministries that exist to not only help people break cycles of addiction— help them to find work, but specifically in proclaiming the gospel and ministering to them mm-hmm. to help them to be saved from their sins and as well as from their addiction and from their poverty. So supporting those organizations, volunteering with them, serving with them, helping them, praying for them, being involved with them would mm-hmm. be something. And as a church, I mean, churches need to think about how do we engage with segments of the population that suffer in these ways because of mental illness, because of substance abuse, because of neglect, because of catastrophic circumstances, going out and ministering to these people, praying for them, mm-hmm. encouraging them, offering them away. Right? I, I, I always applaud the churches and the Christians who, for example, will go to abortion mills and say, if you, decide, if you keep your baby, not only will we support you financially, but mm-hmm. we also have a family ready to... Take that child if you don't want it. So there's a way, whether it's an individual or a church can engage right Mm -hmm. on the front lines or by partnering with organizations that do good work. Mm -hmm. I I heartily encourage us. But what what we should not do is expect the state to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. If anything, we should be telling them to just just get away, get their hands out, just move out, move on. They're, they're breaking everything. And in churches, we need to be zealous for the jurisdictions that God has given us. This charity, um, health and well-being, these are things that have historically fallen in the well, in the jurisdiction of churches, okay? Uh, which right. tends to be an extension of that kind of family sphere in a lot of ways, but in different ones, sure. But... It, it happens to be just a natural organic association of individuals and families. And that's why we've started churches and schools and, and the like. We have to be zealous to do our role. And we have to understand we're not fulfilling the law of God in the one another's by by not doing what we're doing and then handing that off to the state to do it. No, we got to pick up this mantle. We need to be on the front lines. And Brahm, I would encourage this. It seems that you have a heart for this area. Plug in, get involved in a church organization, start mm-hmm. something with your church. There's a serious problem. There's a seriously need in in our societies in big cities across um, North America, across the globe, really, right now that we need to deal with this. So, Brahma, I want to say, I want to challenge you and encourage you, go and do this. If this is something that the Lord's put on your heart, deal with this start something it's going to be hard it's going to be messy but this is the way that we wrest power back from the state in these areas is we step into that void we take up the responsibility we take up the mantle and we provide the direct care in a godly way to these individuals and as far as the family andrew i think we need to catechize the heart affections of our children 
from the moment they wake up in the morning to the moment that they go to bed so that they don't end up putting their faith and trust in an idol like alcohol, like drugs, like all these things that you can get addicted to, that they find their fulfillment and their identity in the Lord Jesus Christ and him alone. That is how we deal with this. There's something that the Puritans used to talk about, the expulsive power of a new affection. And how often have we seen that in the lives of Christians who are coming out of addictions that they change their heart affections and then that drives out the the addictions that they were plagued with because biblically speaking addiction is idolatry which is misordered loves it's it's putting something in the place of god that only god ought to be in it's putting something on the throne of christ that only christ should sit on and that's what the way we have to understand these certain things um Okay, second, Ruth writes this. I 100% agree, agree that true reconciliation is in and through Christ, but there are occasions when it is appropriate to confess our sins to others and to seek reconciliation and le- even legal redress by taking two or three witnesses. Um, Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Of course, the gospel is the real truth and reconciliation, but that does not negate that we need uh, the, the, the need for working things out on a human level. What about biblical instances of corporate confession where a ruler confesses on behalf of the nation, i.e. 1 Kings 8, 22 through 61? Love these questions. Good mm-hmm. job, guys. This yeah. Is great. So this so this is the, this obviously seems to be about the National Day of Truth and Reconciliation and the Every Child Matters campaign. And like the first question, you can you can hear in this question, uh, the heart of the person is wanting to be wanting to be godly and actually loving and pursue truth and where wrongs have been done dealing with them and not simply saying, you know, no, no wrongs have been done. No, we're not, we're not going to be ignorant in saying that. So you can hear the heart behind this question. Um, so I mean, my, my two quick responses would be, yes, we absolutely have to confess sins that we commit against people. We need to ask for forgiveness and we need to seek to be reconciled. Absolutely. However, what we don't do is ask forgiveness for sins that we didn't commit and say sorry for things we didn't actually do to people who they themselves weren't sinned against by us and actually aren't the victims of whatever sin that we're saying our ancestors did. That's not biblical at all. All you go, I would encourage everyone, go read Ezekiel chapter 18. And depending on your Bible, you might have a little heading that says, the soul that sins shall die. That's the heading in my Bible. And Ezekiel 18 is essentially God saying, if a man is unrighteous and his son continues in his unrighteousness, I will punish the son for his unrighteousness. But if a father is evil and a son turns from the evil ways of his father and obeys the Lord, then I will not I will not punish the son for the sins of the father. Likewise, if the father is righteous and the son turns from righteousness to unrighteousness, I will punish the son for his sins. And the, 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 the point of Ezekiel 18 is that it's the one who sins, who is responsible and accountable, who must seek repentance 
and confession. And people are not held responsible before God for the sins that their fathers committed unless they join in those sins and continue in the rebellion of their father, which is one of the fundamental problems with the National Day of Lies and Separation, because it's telling me, who, by the way, I'm Italian, and my ancestors had nothing to do with residential schools. They came to Canada after the Second World War and were actually on the receiving end of a lot of discrimination. So it's telling me, whose ancestors had nothing to do with residential schools, that I need to be sorry for the sins of my ancestors, and I must ask for forgiveness from another Indigenous person who they themselves were not the victims, and maybe their ancestors were. It completely violates biblical principles. So yes, it's about sin from one person mm -hmm. and another person where confession is required, and then really quickly, there are instances of corporate confession yeah, absolutely. where you have the ruler, however, in those instances and in the biblical examples, it's clear that when the ruler is confessing on behalf of the nation, it's because the entire nation is also guilty of the sin. It's mm -hmm. not the case that the king is saying, Lord, forgive us for our wickedness, and then everyone who's there is saying, well, yeah, because we never committed those sins. No. Corporate confession is appropriate, and having a federal head, a representative, confess yes. before God is appropriate, but only when the nation itself is guilty of the sins. Because, again, if the nation is not guilty, then it is not appropriate for a leader to confess on their behalf. So every mm -hmm. example of corporate confession in the scriptures, is, you'll clear that, it's clear that they'll say that we— are walking in the ways of our forefathers. We are committing the same sins our fathers did in the desert. Then it's appropriate, mm -hmm. but not if you've repented and not if you didn't commit the sins. Then it's not appropriate. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That, that's well said. There is a responsibility based on the authority given, vested in individuals, depending on the institution, the sphere of power, where, yes, you have a responsibility for the well-being, the general well-being of the body that you're given uh, authority over. Um, so, you know, you can do that federal repentance like you're talking about, Andrew. So that is a biblical concept, but it has to be rooted in the truth and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. I don't think. I don't think there would be much debate happening on our end <laughs> if that were the case. If mm -hmm. if Justin Trudeau came out tomorrow and wanted to repent on behalf of Canada for leading 100,000 preborn children to slaughter with taxpayer money each and every year for you know decades at this point, I'm going to say good on you Justin. That's great that you did that if he wanted to say we're going to get rid of the indian act because it essentially makes an entire race of people in our culture wards of the state and it deprives them of their basic god or ordained rights i would mm -hmm. write on justin trudeau mm -hmm. those are the sort of things that i think we can champion but yeah those those confessions that are just meant to forward a narrative a lie and separate and divide people for the sake of an ideological movement that's inappropriate that's that's, that's yeah, the if, opposite if person x let's just sell, let's call person x if, as a white person okay so person x person x's grandfather happened to be involved in the legislation 
that took indigenous children from their families because it, it believed that the best thing to do was to force them to adopt a Canadian cultural ethic. And the person was taken from their parents. And then this child was also the victim of some form of mistreatment. And let's assume person X, their grandfather was involved in that. And then person X finds out that their grandfather did it. And so person X is confronted by person Y, who let's say in this case happens to be an indigenous person whose grandfather was the child that was the recipient of this lawless evil action. If person X says to me, should I ask person Y for forgiveness? No. No, you should not. Should I confess the sin of my grandfather? No. No, you should not. Should I express sorrow over what happened? Of course that's appropriate. Of course mm -hmm. you can say it grieves me what my grandfather did. And yeah. I am sorry. I am sorry in the, in the sense that it, it happened. And I, I mourn the fact that my grandfather did it. And I've tried to live in a way that is better and more in line with what is true and what is right. But you cannot apologize and seek forgiveness for a sin that you did not commit against a person who wasn't the victim of the sin. It's unbiblical. I think it undermines and actually robs from the glory of the gospel, mm -hmm. where in the glory of the gospel, actual sins are actually paid for by an actual representative that has the authority to do mm -hmm. so. It, it just it 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 just furthers a an intersectional cultural Marxist narrative, mm -hmm. and we need to be people of the truth, yeah. not people of the narrative. Yeah, and the fact of the matter is, true truth and reconciliation doesn't happen in the fuzzies, uh, well, like you're talking about. It doesn't happen with vague generalizations, no actual specific sins committed by identifiable people. No, that's that's not how actual train change towards truth and reconciliation actually takes place. So I, I hope that helped people kind of digest that because, uh, you know, so many of these concepts, like we were saying at the beginning of the program, truth and reconciliation are beautiful gospel saturated concept we're not denying that there needs to be truth repentance reconciliation taking place all the time that's literally the 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 whole christian life should be defined by those things but it is the way and the end that they're they're aiming at that is that is so important mm -hmm. one last question or comment hey matt and andrew what do you guys think about this story this comes from mark by the way about Justin Trudeau's plane at re at the recent G20 meeting being full of cocaine. I know it's a former Indian diplomat claiming that it's a credible rumor, but what do you guys think about it? Okay, Andrew, how do we do this? So we got to apply biblical evidentiary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Take us through that. So it's, it's quite the story. Um, yes. And I'm actually uh, because be I, I saw, I saw, I saw the 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 email from the post millennial. So um, I was thinking of covering. We were thinking of covering it for for fun. But I, I'm just so I'm just going to quote. This is what the post millennial reported, and then we can give some brief comments. So quote: Deepak Vora, who was a former Indian ambassador to Sudan, made the claim on Monday on Indian television, also saying that the Canadian leader has definitely gone insane. That's a quote. When Justin Trudeau came to India for the G20 this month, his plane was full of cocaine, Vora said during a show on Z News, sorry, Z News, according to the Toronto Sun. 
Quote, he did not come out of his room for two days. Vora claimed that police dogs had discovered cocaine on Trudeau's plane during the G20 summit earlier this month. Quote, my wife saw him at the Delhi airport and said that Trudeau looked depressed and stressed, Vora continued. We don't know the reason, I don't know the reality, but social media and some credible rumors suggest that his plane was full of cocaine. So, it's let's... Justin coming off the rails. <laughs> so, let's... Okay. I, I don't know. So for, for the for the first answer is I don't I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, what I what I do know is, um, so let's a couple things. One, let's assume it's true. Okay, let's let's hypothetically, if it's true, is it something that would be covered up entirely by the legacy media? One hundred percent. So if it's true, then why is it that no one's talked about it? Well, precisely because that's exactly what you would expect. So if it's true then you we would expect a wholesale cover up if it's true um if it's if it's true also is is it you know th- th- this is just another notch in the why Justin Trudeau is not fit to serve as prime minister but this this doesn't put it over there's enough evidence in the last 3 years anyways we don't need yeah. this right this is yeah. overkill he's got this insane is, regardless yeah, of his coke the, habit. Enemy, the enemy is defeated and you're just you're just throwing rocks at him at this point. So this is overkill. We don't need this to make the case that he's unfit to serve as prime minister, if it's true. But I don't know. And so I'm not going to – this is not a hill to die on. I think that it's also very difficult because – so these police dogs, right? Apparently the police dogs – what's the quote here? Um, the uh, – yeah, the police dogs discovered cocaine. I'd be curious to see that. So how do you know that? Is there was mm-hmm. there something filed? Was there some sort of report? How do we know if this is all just up in midair? Then, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm, I'm and, not gonna I'm not gonna go to bat for this unless I can see a little more evidence. <laughs> then, like he says, social media and credible rumors. Oh yeah, that's yeah, that that's and not reliable. Everybody needs to take it for a grain of salt because the context is a really fraught relationship between India and Canada at the moment. Um, Correct. Would it surprise me that Justin Trudeau does coke? Absolutely not. Would it uh, surprise me that he's depressed and going through all sorts of, you know, terrible... I mean, I think that's evident that Justin Trudeau is off the rails, that that things are not going well with the federal liberals, and that there's all sorts of tumult in the party. I mean... Being 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 the vanguard of globalism to dismantle Western culture in Canada... I would imagine that would be a taxing thing. Yeah. And, <laughs> I would imagine and, that that would, can, that would have a couple sleepless nights. We could, we could pray that it would be a Nebuchadnezzar moment that, you know, if he's brought down to eat the grass of the ground, <laughs> brought that low, that he would uh, repent and believe for the, we, we understand the arm of the Lord is not shortened, but uh, he, he, strikes me more of a pharaoh than a nebuchadnezzar uh, these days but we know that the the plans of the wicked will be overthrown and their way will come to ruin and um it's a very slippery world for those who do unrighteousness andrew so anyways i, I just i'd want to see some more some more evidence yeah. i'd want to see some more some more journalism 
um, I'm I'm not going to take this story. At, we at do have value. we do have standards on this program, mm-hmm. guys. Just so you know, we might we might be the classic conspiracy theorists who are apparently always right about everything. Um, but uh, <laughs> we're we're not going to try and wade into those salacious waters. We'll leave that for other programs. But mm-hmm. we appreciate the question nonetheless, Mark. And obviously, really great questions, Brom, Ruth, Mark. Thank you so much for sending in your questions. As always, if you want to have comments, questions, concerns, read by us, talked about on air, mailbag at libertycoalitioncanada.com. We would encourage you to go over there. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Uh, Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. It's a joyous time of year. This is a true celebration that we Mm -hmm. ought to look forward to, a time of rest, a time of thankfulness for the Lord's provision um, Mm -hmm. day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, second by second. Mm -hmm. The Lord is giving us all things, and we Mm -hmm. know that all things come from his almighty hand. So what ought we not be thankful for is the question. That is the true question. In in, in uh, 2 Thessalonians, Paul writes, you know, pray without ceasing, but be thankful always. Yeah. This is the will of God for you. This yeah. if you want to know for all of our, for all the Christians out there who what's God's will for my life? How do I know what does he want me to do? You know what God wants you to do? God wants you to be in communion with him and in conversation and prayer. And God wants you to be thankful because he's given you everything you have including his son and he has not evaporated you and sent your soul to hell for the sins that you've committed against him. So it is good and right and fitting to be thankful always. This is God's will for you. So it's, it's more than appropriate to take a single weekend and Mm -hmm. put Thanksgiving on blast, go worship with the Lord's people this weekend, be thankful, consider everything he's given you because he's given you infinitely more than you deserve. And like, like David writes, if you were to simply count and recall his works, It'd be more than the sand on this earth. You you would run out. You would die before you could actually put a number mm-hmm. to all the things you'd, for which you'd you should be thankful to the You'd never get to the Thanksgiving Lord. turkey if you yeah, actually you'd could never, count those, so those Be blessings. thankful. Yeah. This is God's will for you. Yeah. All right. Till next time, Galatians 5.1. God bless. Liberty Dispatch has been brought to you in partnership with Liberty Coalition Canada and Christian Week and has been produced by SDG Media. You can find all things Liberty Coalition Canada at libertycoalitioncanada.com.